If you're like me, the first thing you do when traveling is check out what's happening with the local food scene, right? And as I've been planning my big book tour and live podcast tapings all around the country, man, I am very excited to eat my way across the nation. There's Atlanta, there's Miami, and so many more. Going to local restaurants gives you a great taste of that place. And if you pay your bill with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum Amex, you get double miles at restaurants. Getting a taste of local food is the best way to get to know the local culture. And if you travel, you know that's how it's done. The Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. Famous Amos chocolate chip cookies are so iconic that I just say Famous Amos and it's like I can taste it. Each cookie is filled with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. And the word satisfying is very key there because some cookies are crunchy and brittle, and I don't like that. But Famous Amos has a deep, tooth-sinkable, satisfying crunch that I know and love. And Famous Amos classic bite-sized chocolate chip cookies are bringing back the original recipe that everyone knows and loves. One perfect bite, everything classic in a cookie. Find Famous Amos cookies anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. My dad's drink, not anymore, but when I, the one that I remember as a kid was he would always get you know, vodka on the rocks with lime. That was his thing. And he would keep a bottle of vodka in the freezer. And if there was cocktails or he just wanted to drink, it, like my brother and I, we would make the vodka on the rocks with lime. It's occurring to me as we're talking, Tiffany, that I don't have my kids making drinks for me, and I feel like I've really blown it as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> I get tears in my eyes because it's like it's so bad what our parents did, but it's also like... It was a trust, you know, the trusting thing. Like, yeah, you, you got to get your kids to bartend. This is The Sporkful. It's not for foodies, it's for eaters. I'm Dan Pashman. Each week on our show, we obsess about food to learn more about people. And before we get to this show, I have some very exciting news to share. Now, when the Stitcher app went away a couple months back, a lot of you lost access to The Sporkful back catalog. You've been writing and messaging me saying... How do we listen to our favorite episodes or go back for ones we missed the first time around? Now, please tell you that I have the answer. We're going to be dropping one episode from the archive this Friday, and then we're going to keep doing that every other Friday going forward. A little bonus listening for your weekend. We'll be pulling episodes from the deep freezer, popping them in the microwave for you, which is why we're calling them reheats. Get it? Not repeats, reheats. <laughs> I'm a little too pleased with that one. Anyway... Are there certain episodes from the Deep Freezer that you want to hear? Let us know. We're taking requests, okay? Send us an email or voice memo to hello at sporkful.com. Tell us your first name, your location, the episode you want to hear, and why. Again, that's hello at sporkful.com. Reheats start this Friday, November 17th. All right, let's get into it. Today, I'm talking with Tiffany Barrier. She's an award-winning bartender and cocktail educator who goes by the title The Drinking Coach. As we get into the holidays, we could probably all use some coaching on the drinking front, right? Some new cocktail ideas to up your game. Tiffany's going to share those. And she'll tell us about a new book she contributed to entitled Juke Joints, Jazz Clubs, and Juice, Cocktails from Two Centuries of African-American Cookbooks. But first, let's back up. Tiffany was born in Grand Coteau, Louisiana, and raised in Houston. Growing up, she'd spend weekends and summers back in Louisiana, where there were often big family gatherings. When you ask for something to eat, it's coming. <laughs> what I can just say in a few words, it's seasoned and it's fresh and it's fulfilling. You can literally taste love in every bite you get. What about the drinks? What kind of drinks were you seeing growing up? <laughs> it was brown. It was in a glass. Um, very rarely was it clear. And if it was clear, it had some kind of juice inside, grapefruit or orange juice. So uh, I'm picturing at a family gathering, like a small table and there's kind of like one or two handles 
of liquor on the table, and then there's mixers. Yeah, that's it. That little card table that folds out, booze and, and mixers. And you're telling me that the booze was typically brown, so it would be whiskey, bourbon, maybe rum? Yeah, whiskey, bourbon, cognac for sure, and, right. and rum, um, and some jar of something unmarked. <laughs> Did you ever find out what was in there? I mean, it was most likely shine. <laughs> it was most likely some shine that was, you know, made with some kind of, you know, grain or vegetable that my uncle put together and said, we should drink this. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what was your perception of that little card table as a kid? I knew it was going to be a good night. I I loved it. I couldn't wait to see my mom set up or whoever set up for the night. But I knew when the table came out and the ice chest came out, it's about to be nothing but laughter, great music. It was always a party. And the energy was just electric. It was it was a vibe. I grew up in a very non-toxic drink at home, which, you know, a lot of people can't say that. Not everyone has the blessing of we cheers the glass and we had a great night and went to sleep. Were you ever put in charge of mixing drinks for the adults? <laughs> yes. That's my job. I was the <laughs> I laugh about it because I was a gopher. I was the one. Like, this is a chore. I grew up in the country, so kids are made for chores, as my family would say. We we made you for chores to get done, cleaning up and grabbing things. So for sure, after the first couple of rounds and the, you know, my cousins and I and family are playing, um, you hear your name screamed across a garage or porch or whatnot. And it's like, we need another round. In 2000, after she graduated high school, Tiffany moved from Houston to Atlanta. She started college, but dropped out her freshman year, began to work as a bartender. Her first job? Applebee's, bar and grill, casual greatness. I'm 18. I'm actually not supposed to be bartending because you're supposed to be 21 to touch booze. <laughs> and it was fast money and it was awesome. And I, um, I was in love. What exactly did you love about it? People. People were so random. I could just literally ask someone, well, how was their day? And it would just go on and on and on. Uh, it was it was good stuff. It was bad stuff. It was juicy gossip. It was drama. I loved to just ask questions, pretty much interview everyone at the bar. And that made for great convo and more booze. <laughs> the role of the bartender is, um, is, is a powerful one. And there is something unique about that role of the bartender. It's beautiful. It's like... You talk to someone, you may not want to talk to them. They may not want to talk to you, but we're kind of in each other's space. So we kind of do the polite thing for a second. Hi, hey. And then before you know it, you're complimenting each other. You're watching someone else. And then all of a sudden you pawn them on other people. So you would be like connecting different people at the bar and getting them to talk to each other? <laughs> Absolutely. That's like my thing to do. Like if Even if there's a day I don't want to talk. I mean, maybe, I mean, of course I want to talk and chat, but... Before you know it, I'm like, hey, Dave, you know, you should meet. It's funny you say that. Eric just said, like, this almost the same thing. You guys should. And then, boom, we've got a whole, like, network or relationship or possibly a baby in nine months. I've seen that. (laughs) (laughs) Have you kept track? How many babies can you take responsibility for, Tiffany? I have two babies out there in the world that I've connected to the bar. (laughs) From those early days tending bar, are there stories from customers that have stuck with you that you still remember? There's a few. A lot of them are kind of private. 
So I've heard some big shifts in people's lives. Those intimate shared moments are the ones that stick to me and stick really close about change and, and what life's all about. And there's even some sad ones about, you know, raising a glass to certain people that people love. And, and that's, those are the ones that stick hard to my heart. The restaurateur Danny Meyer, who opened Gramercy Tavern and other high-end places in New York, he also founded Shake Shack. He talks a lot about hospitality versus service. And I suspect maybe there's something you've also given thought to, Tiffany. What do you see as the difference between hospitality and service? Service is uh, an act. Hospitality is a feeling. I don't think I've ever said that before, but that's like, that's it right it, that, there. That was so sharp. It sounded like you said it a hundred times. I know. When I said it, I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, write that down right now. Like, <laughs> when you are hospitable and they're in your space and you're in their space and we are like, you know, plating and dropping and picking and cleaning and, and laughing and sharing, you know, it's lovely when a server or a bartender takes care of you and you leave and you're like, you know, the food is great, but man, I feel good because of our person. And that's what hospitality is all about. There's this thing, which I, in my mind, when I started training folks was like, I called them UPTs, unexpected personal touches. <laughs> can you give me a couple of examples of UPTs you can <laughs> add in between those moments of service? Yeah, in my early days, it was simple things like don't ask if someone needs more water when you can see the glass is like clearly empty. Uh, <laughs> you know, when people are stepping to the restroom, it's walking them there. It's, you know, unraveling their silverware for them. It's maybe even bringing a little treat, you know, that's taking care of their kids. That's, you know, bringing over a sample of a drink you're working on. It's charging their phone. It's, it's. I mean, this is Tiffany, but I'm giving you a hug sometimes if you leave. <laughs> you might get a hug yeah. from me. You might get a high five from me. Just doing things that are unsaid, giving them what you would want back. In 2008, Tiffany got a job that would change the trajectory of her career. It was at a new restaurant in Atlanta called One Flew South. Tiffany came aboard as a bartender and helped open the restaurant. The plan was for it to be a fine dining spot with upscale Southern fare, sushi, and an extensive bar program. This would be a change for Tiffany. She was used to working in more corporate places like Longhorn Steakhouse. But the biggest difference was the location. One Flew South would be inside Atlanta's airport, which it should be noted is the world's busiest airport. People are zombies in the airport. They're either full speed ahead or they're just floating. And we made this location a place where you could completely forget what's going on. But we didn't feel like a restaurant in the airport. We felt like a real restaurant with an airport outside of us. What are the unique challenges of doing fine dining and an upscale bar in an airport? Purveyors is a huge challenge. How do we get our things? We don't have a back door dock. I mean, we do, but it's the tarmac. Like, that's where our things come from. <laughs> um, and we were a sushi bar as well. So <laughs> chef had to have tethered knives to the walls. So everything. Wait, all, all the knives in the kitchen had to be tied to the walls? Yes, yes. Because of like TSA stuff? Absolutely. We were the, yeah, it was very tough. Oh my and they, God, that never would have occurred to me. And like like, the, like for slicing limes at the bar or whatever, like every knife had to be on a string? Handcuffed, for sure. And twice a month, someone came by to make sure they were handcuffed or retighten them, sharpening them. We couldn't, we had to have someone come in and do that. We were FAA regulation. We were in an airport. If we do anything wrong is a felony. So we had to be very, very cautious. And then- what are some of the unique opportunities 
of running a fine dining restaurant and upscale bar in an airport. Well, we're open 365, seven days a week, so we are never closed. Money is running through there. So let's think about why we go to work and go to work to get paid. So that was really exciting to have this open schedule. People Um, also drink at all times of day in an airport. All day long. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we kept restaurant hours. We did open at a, a decent time. We opened at 11. We closed at 10. The door is always revolving. So we'd see people come in and then just leave. We'd be fully packed, and then they would just go. And they'd be fully packed again. So it was just this beautiful, like, window and wave. It flowed like a beach. It just flowed like water. And we just really love to see people and send them off to um, Bon Voyage. Great travels. About two years after she started, Tiffany got promoted to beverage director. Under her direction, the bar at One Flew South became known as one of the best airport bars in the world. And the restaurant was nominated for multiple James Beard Awards. Are there a couple of cocktails that you featured there that that stick in your memory, some of your favorites? Yeah, I got a couple of favorites that I remember. I did a sake vodka cocktail. It was a play on a classic Vesper. The Vesper is usually an equal part cocktail, vodka and and gin with some vermouth. And I wanted to change it up and give it some kind of Asian influence. So I mixed it with sake instead. It was just a really light, fun, sake cocktail that wasn't a sake teeny, which people loved. Um, There is a fun drink that I made that was all yellow. I created it because everybody was really gloomy that one week. Travel was just awful and weather was bad. And I'm like, we need color. We need variety. We need we need something that hits the dining room and it makes people pop. I used some golden beets in this drink. Everything in the cocktail was yellow. Lemon juice, beets, yellow chartreuse, um, St. Germain elderflower. And I used some gin and I called it the Yellow Brick Road. Oh, I have another drink called Arrival Time. People saw it and they're like, I got to have it. It was tequila. There was time inside. I love tequila and time. <laughs> I love to drink it now. A thyme syrup, well, thyme infused with agave, Campari, lime juice, reposado, and a, just a, a bar spoon of, of orange liqueur. And it was just bright and herbaceous and boozy and red. Um, and, a, and a big sprig of thyme that just hung out of it. And so people love to chew on that. That sounds really good. Yeah. As Tiffany became more established at One Flew South, she also started entering bartending competitions. These are events where bartenders show off their skills and creativity. Often the contests are sponsored by liquor companies, so bartenders have to work with a specific spirit. And these competitions can be intense. They want to see the wheel reinvented five times, and you got to get creative. And you not only have to get creative in the glass, you've got to get creative with your, your presentation. And you win money. I've seen everything from $1,000 to $100,000 in wins. I've seen cars. I've seen bikes. I've seen trips. In my first competition, I bombed pretty hard. What happened? I just was not prepared. I thought you just make a drink in front of people like you're at a bar. Uh <laughs> And my competitors were using, like, beautiful stemware, and they also had a presentation. And I, I at the time, just thought, you just win by getting up there, making a good drink, and it was way more than that. So the second competition you enter, what happens? I came with it hard. <laughs> <laughs> I came with it. I watched the person. I, w- <laughs> I watched the person who won the previous competition, and I saw everything from— um, a tray and polished glassware and snacks and a recipe card. And uh, I believe she had aromatics, like an incense burning. And I was like, oh, my oh. gosh. I was like, wait, so wait, wait, we can like do a thing, thing, thing. 
<laughs> I'm a woman that loves detail, and I'm like, oh, we're going. We're we're doing this. <laughs> so what did you do for that second competition? Do you remember what you made? Yeah, it was, wow. I It was a Four Roses bourbon competition. Uh, the story of Four Roses is beautiful. It's a romantic story about, you know, the guy who created Four Roses and had a crush on this woman, and he hit on her for forever, and she always turned him down. And then his final ask, he said, if you come to the ball, I know you'll be with me, but if when you come— Wear a rose. And she did, but she she wore a few. So I made the drink that I thought she drank at the ball. That's good. Oh, That's yeah. That's a good story. I, I'm glad <laughs> it did. Because everyone was talking about the brand and talking about, you know, Mr. Jones. And like everybody was just going in about the brand, which I did. But then I after right. I did that, I said, but what about her? And let's just imagine her coming down and let's imagine them, you know, connecting in that, you know, Cinderella moment. And imagine her going to the bar, and this is what the bartender is serving. So I created this um, rosemary and cherry, old-fashioned. Oh, I love rosemary in a drink. It was just, I mean, it was just fresh. It was so simple, but so good. I had fresh rosemary stem, which you know the essence of rosemary is just as soon as it touches something, it bleeds in. Rosemary, some cherries, some bitters, Peixo bitters from back in New Orleans. It was called Rosy Cheeks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh yeah. So I started connecting me and like this just where do I where can I get in there? I did what I what I've always wanted to do at the bar, but I did it on sh- like on showboat style. Like and that's what competing's all about. So, how did you do in that second competition? I placed first. I won. Uh <laughs> I I won. I redeemed myself. I brought it in and when they said my name, I was like, <laughs> "Okay, it's odd now." And I couldn't stop competing after that. (laughs) These competitions help Tiffany connect the craft of making cocktails with the history and storytelling of cocktail culture. And when Tiffany leaned into that, she began to catch the attention of the renowned food journalist, Tony Tipton Martin. Coming up, Tiffany makes her first cocktail for Tony and does not get the reaction she was hoping for. Stick around. Ooh, advertisements. Yummy. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, a business tripper, or a long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. They've got over 7,000 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels, and you will get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. I especially love those Cambria Hotels. They have locally inspired hotel bars with all kinds of specialty cocktails, downtown locations right in the center of all the action. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces. That way, if you're a business traveler, you'll be able to get all your work done. On-site restaurants, fantastic. And then at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles and great pools for the whole family and spacious rooms. I mean, if you have kids, you understand the importance of the pool. If you stay at a hotel with a pool... Almost nothing else matters. Fortunately, all the choice hotels take care of all the other stuff too, but I mean, a pool is a great start. Whatever kind of vacation you're going on, whatever kind of travel you're doing, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. Recently, I went into my closet to try to get a collared shirt out, and it occurred to me that I don't think I have bought a new collared shirt in five years. I mean, (laughs) every shirt in there was either really old, or it had some kind of perma-stain situation, or it probably never fit right in the first place, I got to freshen up a little bit here. It's time for something new. 
right? And spring is coming. Now is the time if you've been looking to refresh your wardrobe, home, or skincare and beauty routines this season. Because, you know, Walmart has genuinely surprising style finds that don't break the bank. This spring, there's only one destination for the latest fashion, home, and beauty inspired by real life. Walmart. I freshened up my wardrobe. I got some nice dress shirts, a couple light hoodies. You know, you need light hoodies for the springtime. Very useful, very comfortable. Discover surprisingly stylish new season favorites at Walmart now or shop it all on the Walmart app. Go to walmart.com slash now trending. That's walmart.com slash now trending. Now trending, your style at Walmart. It's been chilly here in the Northeast lately, and we have been on a big grilled cheese dipped into tomato sauce kick here in the Pashman household. And I've been making the grilled cheese with Hero sliced bread. The kids like the Hero classic white bread. I like the Hero seeded bread. It's fluffy. The crust is just right. And I like that the slices are sliced just a little bit thicker than a lot of other sliced breads. You griddle it in butter. You add some cheese. You dip it in the soup. Phenomenal. And all the Hero breads are low in net carbs and they're high in fiber. All these Hero Breads are delicious and flavorful. They'll give you that soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a refreshing BLT, savory breakfast burrito, or mouth-watering cheeseburger. So whether you're making homemade grilled cheese, BLT, maybe a tuna melt sounds nice on some Hero seeded bread. I bet that would be really good. Maybe you're doing sliders and the Hawaiian rolls. Whatever it is, Hero has the bread for you. Don't give up being a breadhead. And Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code SPORKFUL at checkout. That's code SPORKFUL at H-E-R-O dot C-O. I recently discovered a new cut of steak that I am in love with. It's called the Bavette Steak. Have you heard of it? It's also known as Flap Steak. It's a little bit thicker than a flank steak. It is long and flat and tender. It literally melts in your mouth, and I discovered it thanks to Good Chop. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered right to your door on your schedule. Good Chop especially prides itself on sourcing meat that comes with no antibiotics or added hormones ever. No artificial ingredients, only the good stuff. And they're introducing me to cuts and fish that I just didn't know about. Rockfish. I've heard of rockfish. I just never bought it at a fish market. They sent me some wild-caught rockfish. So go to goodchop.com slash sporkful120 and use code sporkful120 to get $120 off your first four boxes. That's code sporkful120 at goodchop.com slash sporkful120 for $120 off. One more time, goodchop.com slash sporkful120 code sporkful120 welcome back to the sporkful i'm dan pashman hey is there someone in your life who loves cascatelli i mean you could also be that person either way there's good news we now have cascatelli posters that i signed in our merch store you can buy the posters solo or as part of a bundle with two boxes of cascatelli we also have t-shirts onesies even sporkful wrapping paper Everything you need for the Sporkful and or Cascatelli lover in your life this holiday season. You can find it all at sporkful.com slash merch. And if you're looking for some inspiration for Thanksgiving dinner, stay tuned to the end of this very episode. I'm going to talk with Chef Darnell Reed about some Southern and Cajun dishes that he loves that get a ton of flavor and depth thanks to Tony Sachery's Creole seasoning. Okay, back to my conversation with Tiffany Barrier. In 2016, after seven plus years running the bar at One Flew South, Tiffany left her job. It wasn't an easy decision. I truly wanted to stay with the company and, and do other things, but it didn't go out that way. I think it was a mutual. Well, I don't think it was mutual. <laughs> I left pretty, pretty upset. <laughs> it was not mutual. <laughs> I'm trying to soften this blow really quick. But, um, 
Tiffany says when she was working there, she could see the restaurant was doing brisk business. But I, I just wanted a slice of it since myself and my team and my chef and his team were the yoke of it all. I was like, we should be getting more money than this. Like, I just don't want tips. I don't just want publications. I don't want awards. I want a piece of this. Being the creative director at this point or just being a part of, you know, ownership in the building. I really wanted that. And that wasn't um, the conversation. So you left. Bounced. <laughs> <laughs> and where did you go? What happened next? Um, I cried for a couple of weeks. I tried to figure out what I was going to do. After a while, Tiffany began thinking back to when she was working at One Flew South. A friend there would watch Tiffany serve guests and saw how she was always sharing something, a tip for drinking it, a bit of history or context about one of the ingredients. The friend told Tiffany, you're like a coach, a drinking coach. At first, this idea that Tiffany was a drinking coach was sort of an inside joke between friends. But now Tiffany would put that name to use and strike out on her own. Today, as the drinking coach, she teaches people about bartending techniques, cocktail history, and just how to make incredible and creative drinks. She makes cocktail menus for pop-up dinners. She hosts mixology classes at corporate events and workshops. And she works with brands on cocktail recipes. Now, I had never heard of a drinking coach before, but as soon as I did, I thought I could probably use some coaching. You're, you're a drinking coach, Tiffany, right? You're, you're, you're the drinking coach. Right now, with your permission, I'd like to engage you in a little lightning round. Let's do it. I'm going to ask you to be my drinking coach. You ready? <laughs> okay. okay. I'm going to name a scenario, and I want you to tell me what drink you suggest. Ready? Let's do it. We're going through the seasons here. First off, winter. It's a Tuesday night. You had a long day at work. You're finally sitting down on the couch to watch some TV. What are you mixing? It's Tuesday, right? Tuesday, yeah. Taco Tuesday. So um, mm. we're going to tequila. We're bringing okay. tequila out of the margarita space, and we're going to do a split-based tequila old-fashioned with Blanco and Reposado, equal parts, a little bit of agave, Heavy on the Ango. Angostura bitters. Angostura bitters. If you've got some chocolate bitters around, we're going to do that. Uh, two dashes of Ango, two dashes of chocolate, some agave. Stir that nice and cold. Big rock. Orange. Ooh, I feel like I can taste that. That's <laughs> like, uh... all right. Very, that's very, that sounds amazing. All right, next one. Ready, Tiffany? That was, ooh, that was hard. All right. Spring. It's a Thursday in the early evening. We just changed the clocks. So it's one of those first evenings where it's light out later. Early spring was kind of a warmish day, but now it's cooling. It's cooling off. But the, but the sun's still out. Wow. I'm visiting this day. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's the first day the clocks have changed. We're going to be outside. We're going to sit on the porch. It's not too hot yet. It's gorgeous. Let's do something fun. Let's do like a gin cocktail with mm -hmm. some great with some grapefruit, maybe some fun syrup that we've got around. And you know, we've had some beers left over in the fridge. Why don't we put this over ice and top it with our favorite beer? On top of the cocktail. On top of the cocktail, yes. So what's gonna happen as soon as that beer is poured over ice, the effervescence is gonna calm down, but it's gonna be tasty and it's gonna be boozy, but we're watching yeah. the sunset. Like this is good. This is Right. <laughs> We're waving to the neighbors right here. Like, this is a good... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Summertime. 
Saturday night. It's nighttime, but it's the, it's the middle of the summer, so it's still it's still warm, even though it's dark out. It's mu- kind of muggy, humid. What are we drinking? I don't want any judgment from anyone. I don't want any judgment no, on this. This is no judgment zone here, Tiffany. What's wrong with a good old Long Island iced tea? So when I say that, I know, I know, but just follow me here. We do like a a half ounce of each vodka, rum, gin, something orange, and tequila. Right? Just it's so we're we're still like in the three ounce era here. We do a fresh lime, a fresh lemon. We shake it up and we just splash. Not Coca Cola, maybe some cranberry. We're fun. We're giggly. We're free. We're safe. We're sharing this, we're laughing, and we just, like, jump back to the past with even a better taste with a good, long island iced tea. (laughs) Okay. All right. Final season in the lightning round. You're doing great, Tiffany. Okay. Final season is the fall, where we find ourselves today. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's sunny. It's cool, but not cold. What are we drinking? Ooh, this is where I am right now. We're getting we're getting in there because this is one of my yeah. favorite times to make cocktails because the flavor profiles are just so warm and fuzzy. But we're jumping in the rum category. We're getting into aged rum, which brings out so much caramel and so many baking so spices. Good. It's so yes. so good. And let me tell you, if you sip a nice over eight year old rum neat with a cold apple cider, whether it's not alcoholic or not, these pair. Perfectly, I'm telling so you. So separately, separately, but like the apple cider is a chaser. Yeah, yeah, we're doing a whole like old school style. If you can see my style, I like it simple and fun. Yes, but having a nice rum on the side, just you know, we're sipping. The game is on or whatnot. It's Sunday. We're we're hanging out. I love that. Sipping neat is one of my favorite things to do. Sipping neat is just really enjoying. You're not, you know, jumping in. We were younger. We did shots and stuff like that. And and you sip neat. You really have a chance to really appreciate it. But when you pair it with um, something nice and cold or effervescent, it really takes your palate on a journey. Along with her work as the drinking coach, Tiffany's also been using her platform to tell stories of African-American cocktail and drink history, stories that get left out of a lot of cocktail books. On Instagram, she's written about Juniper Evans, a master cider maker born on Thomas Jefferson's plantation, and about Bertie Brown, a bootlegger who made moonshine during Prohibition. Tiffany also began to connect with other storytellers, like the esteemed food journalist Tony Tipton Martin, who wrote the book The Jemima Code. Tony's been highlighting the historical contribution of black chefs and cooks in America for many years. In 2015, around the time Tiffany was getting ready to leave One Flew South, she attended the inaugural Soul Summit, a conference about African-American foodways on Juneteenth weekend, founded by Tony Tipton Martin. Tiffany was asked to make one of the drinks for the event. I called it the Bayou Sour. It was a play on the Trinidad Sour, a classic cocktail that comes from Trinidad and Tobago. It is a heavy, bitter cocktail. Usually you see in cocktails just a couple of dabs of bitters. I used an ounce and a half of bitters in this drink. It was Peixo bitters out of New Orleans, a Haitian recipe, which was aromatic bitters with a lovely touch of cherry. So it was red. Of course, red drinks are a tradition for Juneteenth celebrations. I was batching this red drink back in the um, prep room and and Tony walked by me and she said, you're making a red drink? And I said, yes, yes, ma'am. And she just kind of shrugged and walked away. And I was like, 
Oh my gosh. I should have done some, you know, stirred and boozy. I should have been bartendery. Right. And here I am with them some simple drink with bitters and cane syrup and rum. I just felt I thought it was very simple and and she didn't really say much <laughs> about it. Tiffany spent years thinking about Tony's reaction to her cocktail, convinced that Tony was somehow disappointed with it. Then a few years later, she met Tony again at the James Beard Awards. She introduces me to someone and says, this is Tiffany who I was telling you about. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> and she says, she made this. And she described my drink to the details. She's like, she made this amazing drink for Soul Summit that was like Haitian, but Creole. And, you know, she just, she read my drink to me. And her eyes were just sparkling and my eyes were sparkling. And that just, I mean, talk about my heart just filling up like Tony Tipton Martin sees me. And uh, we had a great night that night. Good champagne and dancing. <laughs> Tiffany also began to contribute to Tony's books, first to the acclaimed book Jubilee, Recipes from Two Centuries of African-American Cooking, and then to Tony's new book, Juke Joints, Jazz Clubs, and Juice, Cocktails from Two Centuries of African-American Cookbooks. Tiffany worked with Tony to help decode and modernize cocktails from decades and centuries ago. I was able to really just connect her to this world I'm involved in. You know, back in the days, recipes were written very, very basic in the way they described them. It's kind of like an, a chef, you know, a cookbook, a pinch here, a drop there. And in, in beverage, we saw things like um, a lump of ice. Like, what's a lump of ice? Like, how big is that? <laughs> we saw, uh, you know, a pony of, you know, vermouth. What's a pony? Turns out a pony is not a pony-sized serving of liquor, which I think we can all agree would be too much. It's an ounce. Working with Tony on her latest book, their relationship deepened. And now Tiffany's working on her own book, all about color in cocktails, the way the color of ingredients in a cocktail can affect the taste, but also affect how you feel about a cocktail. And the book will also highlight the contributions of people of color in the spirit and cocktail world. So Tiffany's star continues to rise. This past September, the International Association of Culinary Professionals announced a new award, the Tony Tipton Martin Award, or TTMA, which provides a grant and mentorship to an emerging food writer. Tony got on stage during the ceremony to present the winner of the award. So it is my pleasure and honor to introduce the first recipient of the TTMA, Tiffany Barrier. Many of you know that Tiffany and I have been working together since we met many years ago at a Southern Foodways Alliance symposium. Our friendship has grown and our professional relationship is the ultimate expression of reciprocal mentorship. With this grant, it is possible that the next voice you hear on the subject of black booze will belong to Tiffany Barrier. Congratulations to Tiffany. I mean, whoa, whoa, from Tony Tipton Martin. Uh, full circle, full circle moment that, you know, she saw me. She's been listening to me. She's also attentive to this beverage industry and the black beverage industry and the impact that it has on, on, on this industry. And for her to give it to someone, her first one, to for it to be a recipient that's not in food but in beverage i want to curse right now holy shit that's massive we deserve just as much space as the culinary world because we are liquid culinarians too we are just as creative we have a story and we've been drinking forever
That's Tiffany Barrier. She says she'll be using the grant money from the Tony Tipton Martin Award to work on her book. You can find her on Instagram at The Drinking Coach. And if you're going to be breaking out your card table bar for the holidays, Tiffany's got a cocktail for you. It's called Flannel Weather. It's got tequila and chai and cider. Oh, my God. It sounds so good. We're going to put the recipe on our Instagram page at The Sporkful and in the aforementioned newsletter, which you can subscribe to at sporkful.com slash newsletter. That way you'll also know when my pastas and signed cookbook go on sale. Next week on the show, I head to the restaurant Enoteca Maria. It was opened by Jody Scaravella, second-generation New York Italian. At first, he invited Italian grandmothers to cook in the restaurant. But soon, word got around. And now, the chefs are from all over the world. And they're all grandmothers. That's next week. While you wait for that one, check out last week's show from our friends at the podcast Proof from America's Test Kitchen. They report on the five-year quest to create a battle-ready pizza, one that can last for years in a military environment. That one's up now. Check it out. This show is produced by me along with senior producer Emma Morgenstern and producer Andres O'Hara. Editing by Nora Ritchie. Our engineer is Jared O'Connell. And our intern is Julia Russo. Music help from Black Label Music. The Sporkful is a production of Stitcher Studios. Our executive producers are Colin Anderson and Nora Ritchie. Until next time, I'm Dan Pashman. And I'm Jason Carver from Albany, Georgia, reminding you to eat more, eat better, and eat more better. All right, so we're in the Luella's kitchen. This is where the magic happens. I love Cajun flavors. So when I started writing my pasta cookbook, I knew I wanted some of those spices in there. That led me to collaborate on several recipes with Darnell Reed. He's the chef and owner of Luella's Southern Kitchen in Chicago. On a recent trip to Chicago, I stopped by the restaurant so Darnell and I could test two dishes together. Both of these recipes call for a big helping of Tony Sachery's Creole seasoning. Tony's makes everything taste great. You'll especially love it in Darnell's dishes. So this is the vegan dirty orzo. You have some Beyond Meat, some roasted mushrooms, we serve it in a restaurant, vegetarian or vegan, either one. But when we do it, it's dirty rice, but because we were talking about the pasta book, I thought dirty orzo. I like this one better than traditional dirty rice now, by the way, too. I like this more than I like the pork version. Really? Why? And I even tell Why? customers that. I think, I think it's the mushrooms, honestly, because I roast the mushrooms and everything. Tony's Creole seasoning isn't spicy. It just adds tons of flavor. It's like all the flavors you could want together in one shaker. All right. Dirty rice with orzo, going in. This is so good. I love how peppery it is. Next up, we're trying Darnell's Cajun crawfish carbonara, made with my own cascatelli. Darnell's restaurant, Luella's, was the first restaurant in America to put cascatelli on its menu, and they used it in this very dish. I love the idea of taking a classic carbonara and just giving it this major delicious twist, adding crawfish and Tony's Creole seasoning. So we have the cascatelli, we have the guanciale, we have the crawfish, I mean, your egg whites, your egg yolks, your cheeses, a little garlic shallot going on. I've actually never watched carbonara made before my very eyes. Okay. So basically, you're using the heat of the pasta to kind of make your sauce. It's kind of a pan sauce, you could say. The sauce is made from the richness of the eggs. So you go a little heavier on the yolks than you do the whites, which we're going to do. And then you have your cheeses. I have a little Parmesan and Romano. Then you add the Tony's Creole seasoning. So this will be the um, guanciale, which like, you may not always be able to find that. So I will say use pancetta if you can't find it. I feel like the consistency of the sauce is perfect. Thank you. Because it's, it's, it's creamy, but not heavy. 
Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's, 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 it has a nice thickness and a nice mouthfeel and it sticks to the pasta. But like, I feel like I, I could eat this all day and not be, and not feel like blurg. Days like this, I don't, I don't regret my job, Darnell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I have to wait till my cookbook comes out for these exact recipes. But I'm happy to tell you that Tony's has similar dishes on their website that are perfect additions to your Thanksgiving table. There's dirty rice stuffing or dressing and a crawfish fettuccine that might just make you forget mac and cheese was on the menu. So tis the seasoning for your favorite holiday dishes, whether you're cooking turkey, tofurkey, ham, beef, dirty orzo, or crawfish carbonara. The best bite you're going to taste this holiday season is the one seasoned inside and out with Tony's Sacheries. For more than 50 years, Tony's has remained family-owned and operated, carrying on the tradition of authenticity and flavor through its line of Creole seasonings, marinades, dinner mixes, and more. All of Tony's flavorful products are available at TonySachery.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.